Well, it's wonderful to uh, see you all this morning. Let me welcome you to church if you're visiting uh, as well. My name's Mal York. I'm the senior minister here, and it's a real privilege to look at God's Word with you. And uh, if you do come to our um, uh, afternoon tea next week, please do come to One Dudley. Uh, there won't be much happening at One Bancroft. Uh, and we're asking people, uh, you know, you can either just drop in, or if you want to stay for a bit, that's fine as well. If uh, you're going to be staying for a bit, you might want to bring a, a plate. We'll, we'll cook some food, uh, but, you know, if there's... A lot of people there, it might be good to have a bit extra to share around. Uh, Well, over the past few weeks, we've been delving into uh, this book of 2 Timothy uh, and reminding ourselves of the foundations for gospel ministry. We've seen that we are to guard the gospel to ensure that it's passed on to the next generation. Isn't it wonderful to see uh, the sentence this morning, uh, uh, generations of family and now having little William being baptised. Uh, We've also seen here in uh, 2 Timothy that we need to pass the gospel on in this way. Uh, And Paul does so to Timothy, Timothy does so to his church, and we are beneficiaries beneficiaries of this as uh, we also can read this book of 2 Timothy. We've seen how Paul's life has reflected this desire, and this is why he's suffering, why he's in chains, because he is a man who is living according to God's way and not according to human ways. Nor does he allow a glimpse of human teaching to impact what he teaches. In fact, Paul's whole life is his desire to reflect the gospel in all that he does and says. And so today, as we continue on in this book, we'll see how Paul urges Timothy to be the same, to do the same, to be focused in the ministry that he's doing. And as for us, as we come and look at God's word, we'll be challenged as to whether our lives reflect this focus as well. Uh, In April, I was fortunate enough to hike the overland track in Tasmania. Uh, You really need to keep your focus in in some parts of the overland track. It's, It's not necessarily clearly marked. But what's the bigger issue is that the scenery around is so beautiful. Uh, It often distracts you as you walk, and some people do get lost on this hike. In a similar way, as we are walking through life, the world around us can affect us and affect our focus as Christians. If we focus on the things of this world too much, then it may seem like Jesus is not coming back. It may seem like life after this world is not so much of a reality. If we focus too much on our health and prosperity, then it seems like following Jesus is just too demanding on our frailing and ageing bodies. It simply takes up too much of our time. If we focus too much on how busy we are outside of our Christian lives, then giving up time for Christian ministry and growth seems like a step too much. Rather, what we need is to ensure that we have the right focus in this life. And that's what we're going to be thinking about today as we look more at this letter of 2 Timothy. So let me pray uh, for us as we look at God's word. Heavenly Father, we praise you for all the good things that you have given us as a loving Father should. We thank you for sending your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, so as to redeem us and give us the hope of eternal life. Help us now to gain the right focus in this life so as to not forfeit the life to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, it will be helpful if you have your Bibles open at that passage that was read out to us, as I refer to it throughout the talk. But the first thing we see from this passage is Paul exhorts Timothy to have the right focus by enduring hardship. Have a look with me. We'll just remind ourselves of what it says in verses 3 to 6. 
Uh, it says, Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Paul starts out by saying to Timothy here, suffer like a soldier of Christ. You see, this is what Christians are. We are soldiers of Christ. Once you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, once you become a follower of his, you become his soldier. You've been purchased by his blood, according to Revelation 5.9. And Paul calls it, in fact, in 1 Corinthians 7.22, a slave of Christ. That is, as Jesus Christ becomes our saviour, he also becomes our Lord. And so we are to submit our lives to him. Uh, By Lord, I mean that he rules over our lives. And we, as his followers, submit to his ways and follow his ways. It's like a soldier does to someone who is in charge of him, isn't it? We submit to Jesus and follow his ways like a soldier follows their commanding officer. And Paul wants to say to Timothy, you need to have this same focus as you walk in your Christian life. In fact, he goes on to give three further illustrations of people who have this type of focus. And the hardship that they all endure is they deny other, deny other things in order to focus on the task that is at hand. And so first, uh, he uses an illustration, or he continues this illustration of a soldier. A soldier is focused on what he is doing. Uh, in, in, in the situation that he is in, he is focused on pleasing his commanding officer, because as he does this, his life will be safe. Uh, There's a classic scene in a movie called A Few Good Men. Uh, Anyone seen A Few Good Men? It was a few good years ago. Uh, It was with uh, Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. And where Jack has been questioned, he's the commanding officer, and uh, he says this quote, Soldiers follow orders because if they don't, people die. I wish I could say it in that Jack Nicholson voice. but You see, for a a soldier, it's a, a life and death situation, isn't it? And this is why Paul says in the middle of a battle, no soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. Could you imagine if this happened during the Afghanistan war? Uh, Imagine in the middle of a gunfight with the Taliban, this soldier comes up to his commanding officer and he's, you know, he's, he's breathing heavily and he says, my wife has just called me. She's been unable to get a present for my nephew. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to run back to Kabul. Mind my gun, please. I'll be back in a couple of hours. I'll get a present, send it home. We'll be all good from them. It just wouldn't happen, would it? I mean, it's a ridiculous scene to think of. Rather, a soldier needs to follow the orders of his commanding officer and not be thinking about these civilian affairs that are happening back at home. Despite the hardship, he needs to keep that focus. Paul then uses an illustration of an athlete. Here's a search the web for an athlete, and there's a picture of a a really strong athlete doing a marathon there. It says, uh, according, uh, Paul says, uh, if an athlete wants to win, they need to compete according to the rules. They need to keep their focus. They can't cut corners, can they? They can't cheat, because if they do, they'll be disqualified. I mean, how humiliating is it when someone is disqualified for using drugs in sport? Not only are they publicly found out, but they're then stripped of their medal and no longer can claim that crown of champion. Rather, an athlete who trains hard, 
who follows the rules, who, who avoids distractions, can push on towards victory. And Paul is saying a Christian needs to be like an athlete, focused on the goal that is to come. And so enduring hardships and avoiding distractions in this life in order to do what is right. Because, friends, there's no shortcuts when it comes to the Christian walk, is there? There's, there's no way of, of sort of a, a, a getting around the hardship that it is being a Christian. Some churches actually preach this. They preach that life can be easy. You can become materially rich. You, you, you don't have to follow what the Bible teaches. But this is not what Paul says, is it? Paul says you need to endure hardship here. He uses this language as sort of an overcoming language, overcoming the world, not, not having an easy life during the world. And Paul doesn't want Timothy to be unaware that living the Christian life in this world will be against the grain of society. I mean, we have been very blessed for the past few thousand years because Christianity has become uh, ingrained in the fabric of society. But this is not the way that society is heading. In fact, it's not the, the society that Christianity was born into. Rather, for those Christians who keep the focus and overcome the world, Peter says in 1 Peter 1, they'll receive a crown that will never spoil, fade or perish. You see, friends, Paul wants Timothy to focus on what is to come to help endure the hardships of this life. And finally, Paul uses the example of a farmer who works hard at keeping his crop. Now, I ha have to admit, I always thought growing up that being a farmer was pretty easy. I mean, sure, you do a bit of hard work, but actually when it comes down to it, it's nature that does the work, isn't it? You know? Well, uh, and see, whenever I went to my uh, cousin's farm, all I did was ride motorbikes and, and shoot pests. So, you know, I thought, oh, this is the farming life. This is pretty good. But actually, it is so far from the truth. When we lived in Canada for a while, we lived in a rural part of Canada, and I found out it is so crucial to know when to plant and when not to plant. It's so crucial to know when to harvest and when not to harvest. These decisions of when you work and when you don't work can cost thousands, up to hundreds and thousands of dollars for certain farmers. A lazy farmer will lose most of their crop and so have nothing for, left for themselves but have to give it all away just to make money. But the farmer who focuses, the farmer who knows the seasons and knows the times, they will have an abundance and so therefore be able to keep the first fruits for themselves. A farmer endures hardships in order to make sure that the crop that he produces is good and abundant. A Christian, too, needs to be focused in living their lives for Jesus. Not lazy, sitting back and thinking, oh, all will be okay. But rather, as Jesus says in Luke 12, 45, we need to be prepared because we never know when the master will return. He will come at an hour that we do not expect. We need to be like a farmer, understanding the seasons of the time and the times. Uh, we need to live in accordance with what we know to be true. Friends, we are to be focused, Paul is saying here, like a good soldier, like an athlete or like a farmer. Enduring hardships, denying the things around us, but focusing on the end goal that is to come. So that when Jesus does return, we'll be heading for a victor's crown and that reward of eternal life. Friends, we need to be like this when we follow Jesus. Despite the way that our society is changing around us, despite what people might say about what it means to be a Christian... Because we know, friends, that religious freedom in Australia 
is not guaranteed. And so the question becomes, how will we endure this? How will we navigate this? It's as we endure hardships for the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be assured of that victor's crown that is coming. And the Bible tells us that it's a wonderful reward. It's a place where there's no more crying, no more dying, but an eternal life with our Lord and King. Friends, first and foremost, we must keep our focus. We must endure hardships. Well, secondly, Paul exhorts Timothy to remember the Lord Jesus Christ. Have a look with me at verses 8 to 10. It says here, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul says, Remember Christ Jesus, who was raised from the dead, who was descended from David. Paul wants Timothy to always remember who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Paul wants Timothy to be constantly reminding himself of who the Lord Jesus Christ is, reminding himself that he lived, that he died, that he rose again. And we too, friends, need to constantly remind each other of this. You see, we live in a world that doesn't promote the Lord Jesus Christ. And so for most of us, we often only are reminded of him on Sundays when we come to church. Well, if you're part of a small group, you might be reminded then. And if you're reading your Bible daily, well, you'll be reminded of him each day. But generally, most people aren't like that, are they? It's only about two to three hours a week that they're thinking on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in 168 hours per week, that's not much, is it? Let's be generous and say we sleep for 50 hours, so we can't take that time. It's still two to three hours in 118 hours in a week that people spend thinking about Jesus. But then what happens during those other 116 hours? Well, we have work that's important. And if we're playing sport, then we have to think about that, and whether we're doing it or watching it. Uh, And then we need to think about what's happening in our family, what shopping we need to do, what holidays we're planning. And then when when we watch TV, we're bombarded with advertisements or, or we think about job decisions, entertainment options and so on and so on. Life is very busy, isn't it? So much so that it's easy to see how the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ gets blocked out of our heads. I mean, maybe you can reflect on this now yourselves. How many hours are you in God's word each week? How much are you hearing from God's word? But the problem is that that voice of the world becomes strong. The more we we miss our regular meetings on Sunday, the more we miss small group meetings, the more we miss regularly reading God's word, the more the message of the world seeps in. But Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, don't let this be you. Don't let the things of the world so fill up your head that you forget who the Lord Jesus Christ is and what he has done for you. And so he says, remember Jesus. Remember he was a descendant of David. That is, Jesus is God's promised king, the Messiah who was promised a thousand years before. Jesus is the fulfillment of all God's promises in the Old Testament. In fact, he is the only hope that we have in this world. And so Paul says to Timothy, this has got to be the most important thing for you to remember. 
It's become quite popular today, isn't it, hasn't it, to try and find the Jesus of history. There are many books going around that claim that Jesus was actually really a man called Joshua, uh, that he was married, he had a wife and died, but he wasn't the king of the world. There's been books or, or, or movies like The Da Vinci Code that claim Jesus was simply a man who, who did not rise again from the dead. And, and in fact, they've found the family tomb of Jesus, the tomb of Christ, the family. And you know what? It's as we spend less and less time reading the Bible and remembering the Lord Jesus Christ that we hear these things and even the doubt comes into our own mind. Did Jesus really die, die and rise again? But friends, this is not the gospel that Paul is teaching. This is not the gospel that Paul wants Timothy to remember. And this is not the gospel that Paul is in chains for. I mean, it would be ridiculous, wouldn't it, for Paul to suffer and to be imprisoned as a man uh, for a man who didn't really rise again from the dead? And I want to say now, if Jesus didn't rise again from the dead, I'm the biggest of fools because I'm giving up my life to proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ alone. But friends, I'm no fool. Paul's no fool for being in chains because Jesus did rise again from the dead. And the Bible is true in its account. And this is the gospel that I serve, that Paul serves, and I hope and pray that you serve. And so it is vital that we are reminded of this gospel over and over again. That we remember that Jesus is the fulfillment of all God's promises. And that we speak these words to each other. And that we remember that this is what Paul suffered for. And so we will suffer for as well. But notice Paul's confidence. He says, although he is chained, although he is suffering, God's word is not chained. It will go forward despite the situation of Paul. And so because of this, Paul stands firm on the gospel that he preaches. Have a look with me at verse 10, why he does that. It says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. He stands firm on this gospel because he knows it is the only hope that this world has. It's the only hope that people have who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ so that they too can be like him. They can be saved. They can have an an eternal life with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he suffers and he does everything for their sake. It's a real challenge for us, is it? Do we have a similar motivation? Do we have this hope that others might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? The idea that God even may may use someone like you or I to speak the truth of the gospel to others so that they too can come to know him. Paul had this attitude, and so much so that you and I are benefactors of this, aren't we? Paul endured everything for the sake of the elect who was in prison and wrote this letter. And it's now been passed on to us so that we too, 2,000 years later, can be impacted by what he has to say. But friends, let me ask you, what would you do in order to see your friends or your family know the salvation that is won in the Lord Jesus Christ? Would you put up with things like Paul, mocking, maybe even losing a friend, maybe even being put into prison. Friends, is our focus that of Paul's? For our friends, our family, our neighbours, those who live in Roseville or the surrounding communities, is it our desire and our hope 
to see people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this motivation and passion starts by reminding ourselves of who Jesus is, by by becoming so caught up in the gospel uh, and, and not allowing the voice of the world to become stronger in our heads, but allowing God's word to fill us up so that it overflows to our family and our friends as we speak to them. Friends, we must remember the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, finally, friends, Paul gives us a trustworthy saying in order to remind his readers of the focus that they should have. Let me remind you of it in verses 11 to 13. It says, Here is a trustworthy saying, If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Well, friends, Paul concludes with some words of assurance. As Jesus Christ died, so those who trust in him also died. But as he rose again from the dead, those too who trust in him will be raised again. Jesus is the first fruits from amongst the dead, and it means there will be more to come. And so if we endure in this life, if we overcome this world and all its sinful desires through faith in Jesus, we will also reign with him. We'll have this wonderful reward of eternal life. But if we disown him, he will also disown us. If we say we do not know who the Lord Jesus Christ is to our family and friends around us, he will also say that he does not know us on that final day. Uh, these words are ringing true, aren't they, of, of Matthew eight thirty eight. If anyone is ashamed of me, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when his Father comes in glory with his angels. Now, friends, Paul's point necessary here is, is that by disowning Jesus, we don't necessarily lose our salvation, but, but he's asking this question, what sort of faith is it? What sort of faith is it if we are on about denying the one who gave us the faith? Rather, we need to identify to the world that we are followers of his and make a stand for him. And so with this in mind, Paul goes on to say, even though we may be faithless at times, God will always remain faithful. Uh, this is a wonderful God who never changes his mind, who never goes back on his promises and will always hold on to those who are his. Isn't that just wonderful news? Although we don't do everything right, although we do make mistakes, uh, although sometimes we may seem unfaithful, God is never unfaithful and will always keep his promises. And so why does Paul call this a trustworthy saying? It's because it's true. It's an example of an early creedal statement about who Jesus is and what he came to do. But for us, it's a wonderful reminder of the certain hope that we can have in the Lord Jesus Christ. But friends, do, these, do we allow these words to change us? Do we allow these words to speak to us clearly today? Do we remind each other of this? Let me urge you after church to speak about these things. Speak to each other more about the salvation that we have in Jesus than the, the weekend sports results. Let's talk more about the eternal glory that is ours with certainty than the possessions that we own. Let's speak more about how we can share the good news of Jesus with other, other people so that we can encourage one another and many, many more people might have this hope as well. But friends, let me conclude. Where is our focus? Do we endure hardship like a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ? Do we remember Jesus risen from the dead, descended from David? 
Do we have full assurance that this is true and that nothing else matters in this life? Friends, it's my hope that here at St Andrews we become known as a church that is so focused in this way that we are seen like soldiers of Christ following our commanding officer. It's my hope that we as a church become so focused on preaching this one true gospel that, that no other gospel is ever presented here other than that of Jesus Christ who lived, died and rose again from the dead so that all those who trust in him might have eternal life. A descendant from David, the true Messiah, the Lord and the Saviour of the world. Friends, I ask, will you join with me in proclaiming this gospel? It's my hope that we as a church become so assured of our faith that we know that nothing in this life or death will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Listen to how Paul describes his, his race. He says, Therefore I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Can, can you hear the, the words of discipline in Paul's language there? Can you hear his focus on how he wants to run the race to the end? Friends, I ask, will you join with me in having this focus in our gospel ministry here? Friends, where are our eyes focused on? What are our eyes focused on in this world? Hebrews 12.2 says, Let's fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. Let me pray that this will be where our focus is now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the wonderful Lord Jesus Christ who gives us salvation. But we recognise that living in this world is hard. Help us, Heavenly Father, to endure hardships by having the right focus, by remembering the Lord Jesus Christ and keeping our eyes focused on him. We pray this for your praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.